Hello everyone and welcome to one of our special standalone episodes. This week we are kind of taking things away from the domestic affairs of the Premier League and delving right into the Spanish fraudulence that's going on at La Liga right now. Uh, joining us this week we have Pascal and Nathan. BK is sorry that he... <laughs> BK can't uh, join us this episode because he's actually flown back to London. And because he told us that he felt that the uh, nil-nil draw with Brighton, you know, isn't up to standard. So he's actually discussing things out with uh, Edu and Ateta yet again. Because he's, he's still pretty unsure why, you know, that they're still so reliant on, based on recency bias, the midfield linchpin of Granite Xhaka. So BK, all the best in your endeavours, but, you know, just a little preamble before we delve straight into the fraudulence um you know you know a little decade and a while back when you think of Barcelona right they are correct me if I'm wrong but I'm never wrong so I'm definitely correct about this they are the neutrals favorite football team you know the name Barcelona is so globally recognized the badge is so so iconic and I do remember the days of Thierry Henry David Villa, Lionel Messi, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But you just fast forward a decade and a year later, and the whole club has just gone a full 180. You have players like um, Luke De Jong and Gerard Piquet, who's playing as a midship centre forward. So I'm just gonna, just gonna show it to Pascal because, you know, out of the four of us, he's the most fraudulent of one of all for wow. putting. Adama Chayoué in his fantasy Premier League team when he was basically the spokesman of, you know, advocating that Adama Chayoué is on a the massive the curse. Uh, He's never going to let you yeah. forget this. I was bad. It's okay, man. I deserve that one. That one's on mm-hmm. me. But we yep, move. Yep. We move. Mm-hmm. So, um, Pascal, your thoughts on how such a, how Barcelona, you know, a once heralded great club is in such a mess right now? Mm. I think for most football fans who've come from our generation, um, like, you know, started watching in the early 2000s, right? Seeing Barcelona's collapse is probably the most significant of any club we've watched. Like, we've seen the we've seen Liverpool fall out of, you know, the Champions League spots for, uh, I would say, half a... like, f- five, five to six years. Then we've seen what Arsenal's going through now. Man United have had that dip. And, um, of course, you know, the likes of AC Milan... Uh, but nothing quite like the the shambles that is going on in the Camp Nou. And I think I can point it in only like... Or I should say, you can't really pinpoint just one thing for, for Barcelona's kind of downfall. It's down to like many different things. I, I equated it to like Hydra, you know, you cut one head off, like multiple spring out again, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about throughout the, the duration of this episode. But the first one has to probably be just or at least I'm thinking of patient zero being when Neymar left um, Barca for PSG. I believe this was the summer of 2015. Or was it 2016? Mm-hmm. No, maybe 2015, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, Barcelona were like on top of the world. Everyone was like talking about M- uh, MSN. MSN, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it M&M? <laughs> MSN, and they were like just destroying opponents. Uh, they had just beaten Juventus 3-1. Neymar was actually part of the scoring and then out of the blue Barcelona were no longer top dogs they had lost 
I would say their second best player in the team. And this was the first time Barcelona actually lost a player that they didn't want to. If you look back, you know, all the the stars of yesteryear like Eto, Ronaldinho, Deco, all those players were essentially gotten rid of. But Neymar was the first that, you know, left because of a botched release clause. And I guess what surprised the Barca board teammates and fans was the fact that Neymar was okay leaving. That was that must have come to a shock to many Barcelona fans because they are used to, you know, prizing players away from teams rather than seeing players of their own get prized away. You think Fabregas, you think Mascherano, you think Luis Suarez, you know, the list goes on and on. But that for me is the essential patience zero of where we're at right now. Yeah, because from what I remember, the reason why Barcelona slept that at that point of time it was considered a ridiculous yeah. release clause of 222 right? yeah, 222 okay. million euros I, I still remember the figure <laughs> yeah because they thought that you know like you said they thought they were you know the tribal chiefs of, of uh, football Shower at the point range. of time and they didn't really respect or they didn't really know how powerful Qatari uh, sports were mm. you know, who uh, they just acquired Paris Saint-Germain like a couple of years ago so I think it also added to add into the point I think Neymar he didn't want to be in Messi's shadow anymore because the the well, ironic thing is funny how that turned out yeah Neymar was acquired from Santos to be the the, the guy that yeah. takes over Messi yeah. when um, you know Messi's no longer there but funny how things work right <laughs> I don't think it was just like him wanting to step out of Messi's shadow I think a lot of it boils down to agents. I think PSG's owners can be very persuasive. We've seen this on numerous occasions. You know, they um, go out of their way to, you know, actually have face-to-face with the players, treat them like kings. So obviously Neymar got that rub, you know, like he was the first superstar since Zlatan to join PSG. Um, it, in his shoes, I think a lot of people are quick to you know, hate on Neymar for that move. But if you're really in his shoes, right, um, not such a bad move in hindsight. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you can say, you can we can talk about Neymar all we want in, like, future apps about whether, you know, his move was viewed as a success or not. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's also the subsequent handling of that transfer. I think it just came as such a shock that Barca was so ill-prepared for. They had no um, targets in mind or, like, I feel like all the targets that they pulled up with that money were, were essentially panning buys. There had been no thought that went into it because they didn't think they would ever have to go into that. You know, they would never have to go down that well, you know. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, They bought Usman Dembele from Dortmund using that amount of money, right? Ye- was it Usman Dembele? Yes, but I don't think it was in the same window. I could be wrong. Um, because I, uh, two thousand and fifteen, I think that was when, Usman Dembele was, breaking through in Dortmund. He was tearing he had things like up one good in season, the Bundesliga. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, I think Barcelona bought him on the basis of that one good season. I also feel yeah, yeah, it makes more sense now because I also think Dortmund, essentially extorted the shit out of them because they knew they had the money, you know. Yeah, because they knew that Barcelona were. A wounded animal, you know, the pride was <laughs> they got absolutely smashed, you know, the egos were hurting. Mm. 
So Barcelona wanted to immediately spend that Neymar money to sort of appease the fans because Neymar was a fan favorite in the camp now and seeing them get absolutely done by PSG was not only a comical thing but you know it it sort of states that oh we we need to we need to splash most of this cash on on like someone who is up and coming to show that hey man we are we're still the club uh, where all players want to aspire to come at but like you said it was kind of a it, it signified a downward spiral in terms of how Barcelona operated in the market because in when Guardiola was at the helm right and when Barcelona were at its peak they played tiki-taka football with the likes of I do remember their starting eleven being mostly made up of academy graduates like from from the goalkeeper onwards you had Victor Valdez, you had Carlos Puyo, Gerard Piquet, Busquets, Xavi Iniesta, and Messi. Mm. And you can add in Pedro as well. Huh. And they were mm, also yeah. supported by pretty astute signings like Danny Alves from Sevilla, Jordi Alba from Valencia, you had David Thierry Henry Villa, and David Villa. Yeah. So, and you had um, what they call people who can change the game from the bench like, you know, your, your Yaya Torres, Alexis and Sanchez time, your, Hen- your Henrik Larsson's yeah dude so like and- Barcelona like any FIFA from like FIFA 2009 to like 2015 Barcelona was just Stack. OP as hell yeah <laughs> it's mm-hmm. ridiculous yeah yeah but you know after Pep left uh, I kind of feel that their f- footballing philosophy kind no, didn't kind of change it changed dramatically because under was it Tito Villanova they still had sort of that tiki-taka uh, style of play and then Ernesto Valverde came along Luis Enrique came along and they sort of transited to a more direct style of play like with, with ne- Messi, Neymar and, and Suarez like you, you could play the style of football while uh, being able to switch it up in midfield because you had your midfield linchpins but right now you know I, I don't know like the, the signings man it's just the signings that have been pretty mind-blowing in terms of how much they've been spending on player fees mediocre how much yeah. they've been yeah, yeah how much they've been paying their players per week i mean i, I mean just to get you into this like uh we we, we have the the current um barcelona how much how much barcelona are paying the players right now and looking at the list right it's pretty astounding and pretty mind-boggling on how i mean i'm just gonna highlight you know samuel umtiti He's currently being paid 212,000 British pounds per week and that is eclipsing how much uh, Virgil van Dijk who many rate as the best defender in the world. I think van Dijk is being paid much less than Umtiti who is basically a bench warmer right now. And mm. I don't know, so what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think the the money that, that uh, or the way that they've managed the wages at this club uh to be honest, I don't know when it kind of started, but it has been. Um, I probably it probably started when Neymar probably came in with a really high wage bill, and the progressive um, nature of how Messi's um, wages as well. Um, which who who is not in this list that we're looking at because he has since left, but he was on some crazy money as well. Granted, he is one if not two goats of in 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 football um but it's it's crazy i think because of that the the fact that you have someone in the team who is earning that kind of money 
it kind of raises the wage of everybody else in the team because as good as he is everybody else in the team will be thinking as well i deserve um my fair share uh for helping this team win what it has and the fact that uh i'm playing for a team like barcelona means i have to be of a certain cost as well um and so that's why you see it like it's across the entire team uh now that we're looking at it um that you have other defenders as well who are on crazy money and even the midfielders and like one of the recent ones that just joined the team in Miral and Pjanic is on 271 he which is crazy left, but he has since yeah, left no that way. whole that whole Wait. deal reeked of like I know we, we use this word a lot but it really reeked of fraudulence like I mean the, the fact he, he I think he barely played right Pjanic, it was bizarre it made no sense uh, and like you mentioned Pjanic on that money made no sense um, yeah, he was definitely the older of the two. Um, like the kind wait, of pace. Wh- wait, sorry to to cut in, but um, the whole Milan Pjanic yeah he deal went was to the one with where they swapped with Arthur. Arthur, yes. Yeah. Dear Lord, <laughs> and he's since been shipped off. They essentially forced him out, much like they did with Rakitic. Which, yeah, it's it's that's another thing. It's just the. In the I'm Barca hierarchy, like we've also seen the ugly side come out about how they've treated certain players who have been nothing but professional. But you mean Suarez? That, that's 100%. the first thing that comes to your mind when you talk about people who are unfairly I, I treated. I think that's going to be our next kind of main segue. But actually, I, I want to bring this back a little bit. Sash mentioned something about the the ridiculous wages being offered by you know then president um, Joe Bartomeu, right? Yeah, and. A big factor as to why these presidents do these crazy deals. You talk about the Dembele deal to appease the fans, right? A lot of these deals are done right before elections take place or, you know, when, let's say, a president is going through some sort of turmoil. They need things to sort of quieten the ultras down, to pacify them, if you will, because we're used to the Premier League, right? We're used to owners kind of, you know, essentially being that they own the club and there's no there's no kind of uh, elections or anything so there's no politicking between two parties it's if you want to buy the club you pay the price and you just take over it's it's kind of relatively straightforward but in Spain like the only reason why Madrid doesn't go through this is because Perez is like the Sith Lord and he just <laughs> controls Madrid with an iron fist can you imagine he like he kills all the other people <laughs> I do I mean like not on the record but <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked but that that's essentially a big problem with Barcelona like it's it's essentially been Bartomeu and Laporta dating back to like I think mid 2000s there might have been one more thrown in there. I can't remember his name, um, but he also had his own fair share of baggage. And yeah, essentially these presidents keep trying to one-up each other, you know, and that th- the thinking is very short-sighted. Like with the Dembele deal, everyone but Barcelona knew that that was a mistake waiting to happen. One of many that they've made in the last few years. Let and me just throw a, a lot of it was done very short-sightedly. Yeah, let me just throw a curveball your way, right? Like you said, Barcelona presidents, they are willing to do anything to, especially during election year, you know, to get everyone on their, on their side. And do you think that, and it's a bit of a hot take on my end, but do you think Messi had some major part to play in this? Because it's pretty evident that, you know, if you have one of the goats of football in your team, you 
kind of have to bend over backwards for him. And I do remember every year that Barcelona are always kind of structuring an, a contract extension for Messi. And uh, if you guys don't know how contract extensions work, right? So if a player gets his contract extended for, say, an X amount of years, the agent will be paid a certain amount of money. The player will also get a signing on fee and all that. And do you think one of the reasons why Barcelona are in such turmoil is because due to... I, I know that you have to pay Messi. Like Messi has to be the highest paid player in, in La Liga. Other than, I mean, other than Ronaldo, of course. But all this will cause financial strain in your... Your, your finances basically and mm-hmm. yeah like um you mentioned a, you mentioned a point offline about uh Laporta's latest comments that you know he was hoping Messi would play for free which <laughs> is pretty laughable to, it's to just hear because shocking that that's not a, a doctored <laughs> quote yeah because it's it's quite a well-known fact that you know Messi's Messi was earning like one and a half million a week that's pretty damn crazy and like in order for Messi was a free agent at the point of time before he signed for PSG and in order for Barcelona to be able to um, gonna comply to La Liga's financial fair play Messi had to take like an 80% wage cut, wage cut for Barcelona to s- then re-sign mm. him back on so and Messi was never ever going to do that like yeah he may have cried you know, uh, d- during that um whole conference where he was like he was sad that he always thought he would retire at Barcelona, but it <laughs> when I was watching that video, right, I couldn't help but laughing because it kind of reminded me on on that Woody Harrison you know meme where From, uh, he's lying on the fireside, yeah, it was by Zombie Land, you know, wiping his tears with cash because at that point of time everyone knew he was gonna find sign for PSG, <laughs> so. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Messi is blameless in, in this because if you're going to be paying that much, not only just to Messi, but to, I know I'm being a bit harsh here, but bit part players like like jun- your junior fur post. I mean, I'm just running running the list down. Um, Usman Dembele, damn it. Sergi Roboto is getting paid 200000 a week. That's just, that's just mad, man. And um yeah, I know that this this player hits close to home to you, Pascal, but Coutinho is being paid four hundred thousand a week to sit mm. on the bench. I mean these things will definitely catch up to you in the end. So and as it sees and as being seen right now, the cracks are slowly deepening and Barcelona are getting into a worse state, you know, week by week and now under much malign manager Ronald Coleman who I don't know, he's hanging on to his Barcelona job by a thread. That Do person is not Ronald Koeman. It's just a puppet. <laughs> like, whatever yeah. kind of um, authority that person had, it's long gone. Like, he's just a, he's just a front man. I guarantee he's you. He's just a lightning rod, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> nothing, no say. I think the problem actually for Barca started when um, the fact that I think Messi has a... a, a a part to play in this the fact that he is as good as he is kind of helped paint over the cracks in the Barca team there are, there are many games where Barca don't look like they're a good enough team but they win 
and they get by because of the brilliance of Messi and the fact that he can win them games um, like they can play bad and then he gets a free kick knocks one in uh, dribbles a few does it yeah. sound similar I mean, <laughs> I, I want to say that, that I love how Messi is getting <laughs> roasted for being OP. Like he's not. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, he's not. I, I'm not gonna roast him. I'm actually gonna say that it's it's the fact that he's so good that he covers over the cracks in the in in the Barca team. Uh, the yep. the cracks that that now when he's gone is super apparent because. But it was apparent to everyone except the Barca board apparently. Like okay. actually, here's the thing, right? I think look, the the Barca board will have actually okay in alternate universe right mm. where uh, the, the the league doesn't La Liga league doesn't come after Barca and say like financial fair play you have to cut Messi's wages by 80% if they don't say that guess what they're gonna resign him they're gonna give him even more money he's exactly, gonna stay one more one more season and then guess what Barca wins the league again Champions League final semi-finals I mean it's the, it's the same story that has been going on for maybe the last five years where they haven't looked their proper self it's just but messy. That, that's only a, a testament to how Messi is good. But I mean, that we have so much to talk about, I feel. But going on that point, right, you, you brought up an excellent point, which I felt needed to be addressed. It's if La Liga had kind of kept the, kept things the way they were and just kind of closed one or in some cases two eyes at what Barcelona was doing, right? Do the both of you think that Barca would be in a much stronger position like do you think they were brought to their knees by COVID or would it have happened regardless of COVID because of how much they were spending I think regardless to me Mm, so you think it was a matter of time eventually Mm. if even if Messi retires at Barca right after he retires what's gonna happen the same the same issue I I agree I just think I'm in the same camp but I just think COVID um, brought it's almost like a tsunami. Like they saw it coming from a mile away, but they were like, "Okay, you know what? We'll ring the alarm bells when it's a bit closer." And then with COVID and like all the stadium lockdowns and everything, that tsunami like showed up right at their doorstep, and they had no answer for it. And now yeah, it's just see, damage control, man. Yeah, you, you can see that the leaks, uh, the, the La Liga leaks and the Italian leaks are they they were the one of the hardest hit in terms of uh, fin- finances lost due to COVID. Because you can see that uh, everyone's moving towards the English Premier League right now because that's where the money is. La Liga lost uh, Messi. They also lost Ronaldo. Uh, they, they, I mean, they lost Ronaldo like years ago. Um, even in the Italian leagues, you know, they lost Lukaku. They almost lost Martinez. They, they, <laughs> they lost Ronaldo yet again. And all these players are m- moving back to the English Premier League because... No one, I don't think the clubs can afford like the wages of these elite players. But like I said, um, yeah, uh, Ronald Coleman may not be you know the main culprit and all that, but he, the, he's not helping himself by playing this rigid, defensive, unbarca like football, which has really gotten under the skin of many Barcelona fans. They are always calling for his head, you know, even, even the recent results, man, like, against Benfica, they got absolutely smashed, they lost to Atletico, and it's pretty poetic that Suarez scored, yeah, and he did that, uh, phone celebration in front of Ronald Koeman, which I felt that was pretty damn hilarious, but, yeah, I know Ronald Koeman, he is a legendary Barcelona player, because he played for them, and, uh, but, it's, 
he's he's showing I feel that he's showing favoritism to I mean who who doesn't right but signing Luke De Jong he, he's trying to turn Barcelona into you know, the Holland football team which like a you know, shit in, version in, in of previous, the Holland national team yeah like in, in previous uh, years gone by like it, it would have been a compliment but right now Barcelona are playing one of the most dull unattractive football that I've ever seen even uh, compared when Ernesto Valverde was was at the helm like it's even it's one tier below that and it's no surprise that Ronald Coleman's job is always it's always seemed to be like is he gonna get sacked the day after is he gonna get sacked the week after and the manager replacements that Barcelona are allegedly lining up for him you know uh, they're currently top the top three replacements are Andre Perlo Roberto Martinez mm. and Javi and to me I feel that Javi he's, he's kind of smart enough not to jump right into the poison chalice that is Barcelona right now because it will just tarnish his reputation you know he I don't think he wants to be the guy that does all the cleaning up I, I and I feel that it's a li- still a little bit too early for, for Javi to come and in. I, yeah and I feel Javi's name will always be in the mix mm-hmm. you know even though his credentials are like I'll pretty much limited to outside but um yeah his name will be bandied about whenever the occasion just because of the link and cause he's a legend of the club but yeah th- this list really took me by surprise I want to um, say that oh just, sorry just a quick cut in yeah. um his his he, he he has probably looked at some of the other legends who have played for their clubs and have been offered the managerial position and gone like nah I know what I've seen this happen too many times like a la of like Frank Lampard at Chelsea Pirlo at Juventus they have ended the same way it's just not ideal and I think he knows that he's gonna like wait his time a little bit Um, the only guy who has so far done alright or better than alright is Zidane I would say a legend who has gone back to his club and done pretty well Um, the rest have really struggled and I think part of that is also the fact that I feel, unlike maybe Zidane, who who has a bit of seniority in terms of age, um, a lot of the other pl- uh like managers were quite I th- I guess like they are really recent. Uh, like they had just retired only a, like maybe a couple years ago, and now they are trying to manage a club where a lot of their players and their star players are not that much um different from them in terms of agency seniority and so perhaps there's this like it's the whole idea of like oh now i'm playing for a peer you know it doesn't always work out very well so i think he'll be wise to not really jump in so quickly yeah yeah but it's also strange that um i i don't know if you guys seen the quote that ronald coleman said you know in hindsight that things that he shouldn't say that barcelona should thank him for being in the state that they are in right now but the, the state that he was referring to was a much better one than where they were right now and I think John Laporta actually gave him a vote of confidence but I always take these statements with a pinch of salt because it's I, I've seen this long enough you know like the, the board or the president comes out and saying that oh we have full faith in in so and so and then the next few days later there's like a comunicado oficial on their twitter saying that Oh, we thank so and so for his services, but he has now departed the club. Uh, so I don't know. Do you guys think that Coleman would stay throughout and 
sort of be the, the essentially the guy who cleans up everything for maybe a Javi to come in in the next few years. Just on that note, I I I heard that Newcastle said that they are like uh they have they have they put Steve Bruce in high regard. <laughs> you know what? We probably know what's gonna happen <laughs> in that case. A bit premature to talk about this, but we'll get mm. to it when we get there. Uh, on the point that you mentioned, I am not a fan of what Kuman is doing with this Barca side. So, um, whether he can clean it up, no. I feel like he's very much probably going to just either stay where they are which isn't where Barca, uh, Barca should be, which is currently right now, like, mid-table. But I, I don't feel like he has um, kind of created an identity for them or have brought them back to their former identity. Or it could be that right now, it's just basically they don't have the players to play the kind of previous identity that Barca, uh, Barca was known for, Tiki Taka. And with all that said, I think, yeah, what they probably need is a, re- a refreshing and change of manager yeah which kind of brings yeah I, I like the point that you highlighted uh just now about you know Barcelona not, not playing to their identity that they're so well famed for because I think most of it is, has to do with the transfers the uh, big money contracts that they've been given to I you know at a point of time they, they could be seen as justified but clearly the players have not worked out for Barcelona because they're not really in tune to the whole La Masia Academy, the way they play, and you know the Barcelona of old, they always brought in like players from the youth academy and slowly sort of embedded them into into the team, you know, with, with the support of the, the senior players. But right now, this Barcelona kind of looks like an old husk of of themselves. Like they have one and, or two, and, they have one or two players who yeah, but, but they they're are, gonna like, these players about, risk burning yeah. out, man. With all the weight on their shoulders and getting hyped up so early, like, I mean, Gavi has had probably ten really good games um, at senior level. There's not a knock on him. He's literally just begun his career. But even Deshaun's yesterday was was talking him up to the moon. So, um, it's it's we got to remember that these guys, even though they are at Barcelona, um, you you got to, you know, you got like Sash said, you got to bet them in. You know, you can't put that weight squarely on their shoulders because they may not come back you think of players like Boyan you know Boyan was dubbed Messi's kind of Messi 2.0 obviously they were those reports were wide off the mark and this is a guy who wasn't even entrusted with a lot of responsibility yet that comparison already like you know it crippled him so if you're comparing a guy like Gavi to you know be a potentially new Iniesta or Xavi that's a lot of pressure, man. So they, they, they need to remember that um, these kids are going to make mistakes and they can't crucify them at the first sign of trouble. And I think that it's a unanimous decision that um, we, we all don't think that Coleman is the right guy to take. Not just Barcelona forward, you know, but... Um, Any club forward. <laughs> I'm like, Oof. I've never been a fan of Ronald Koeman. I thought he, like mm. you said, he plays boring ineffective football like if you want to mm. be boring at least get results um, mm. you got to be like a Simeone type coach you know you got to make it worth um, uh, kind of worth the, the almost like, like consuming uh. yeah like like you gotta you gotta <laughs> you gotta show the results like your your very mm. classic Mourinho or your you know Simeone those are the two 
I would say most high profile managers they are linked to you know defensive styles of play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Com- that, that's another thing I don't get. I I couldn't believe that Barcelona kept him or or gave him a vote of confidence or whatever you want to call it. To me, the guy was a dead man walking. So kind of doubling down and saying this is our guy even though we know that's not the case yeah I don't think the players are playing for him I know it's cliche to say that but that whole um, you know the Champions League match where Bayern visited the camp now and Coleman just defended like basically set them up to not get absolutely destroyed it's just not get it damage me. limitation performance yeah but Barcelona sorry Barcelona they got ultimately destroyed by Bayern they got outplayed in both halves they should have scored more more than three I mean and I think it was a leak from one of the players that uh, they admitted that oh, the, the reason why they set up so defensively is because they had absolutely no confidence that they would beat Bayern Munich in their own home ground and they just wanted to keep the goal difference to a, a respectable mm. that is surreal coming from Barca it's yeah, just it was it was leaked out by one of the that, players. That's, that's actually that's a point <laughs> I wanted to bring up, and I think you guys will, you know, be more than happy to chime in. But we've talked about the financial problems at Barcelona, we've talked about the personal issues at Barcelona, and you know, both player and managerial wise. But we need to bring up the mental problem at Barcelona, because the league they've had their problems in the league. You know, they they. I don't want to say bottle because it wasn't that big of a lead, but they were leading significantly um, in the season. I believe it was 1920. It was the season that was disrupted by COVID. They had a healthy lead heading into that, um, you know, football quarantine break. And when the season resumed, they dropped like, I think at least 70% of their points and ultimately got pipped to La Liga by Real Madrid. So that's one case of, you know, mental lapses at Barcelona, ones that we hadn't seen before um, in like the last 20 years, I would say. And if you want to talk Champions League, right, that's when it gets really dicey because last time they won was uh, against Juventus in 2015. Since then, they've thrown away a 4-1 lead against Roma, a 3-0 lead against Liverpool, been demolished by Bayern Munich 8-2, and last season were comfortably dispatched by by PSG. I think it was five two on aggregate. So that's getting beat in in four seasons running by a margin of three goals in one of the legs is something you would never equate to Barcelona. And you just think about one of the best comebacks in Champions League history: Barcelona PSG. I'm sure you guys remember. Mm-hmm. Barcelona went from having that kind of mindset to thinking we can turn around any deficit you know a 4-0 first leg deficit you know is, we're not afraid we're going to come back we're going we're gonna to turn this around it's gone from that to we've got a 4-0 lead in the first leg don't know if we can hang on or we're playing Bayern Munich at home don't know if we're going to get spanked again it's I think that is almost the hardest thing to swallow for Barcelona and Barcelona fans you know it's not the um, because if your team goes through financial problems but mentally you're still strong you wouldn't put it beyond the players from like you know turning things around but if your circumstances externally are broken and your internal fortitude is down in the dumps right there's absolutely nothing that can save you 
I think and you're getting mugged off by your closest rivals, Atletico. It's and, just, uh, I think, it's I think so. It's a very bitter pill to swallow, man. But I, I think that just highlights uh, we cannot forget what happened in 1920. The person that they relied on the most wanted to leave. If you recall, Messi had already said at that point of time, like that he wanted to to leave for, and I think the biggest rumor at the time was Man City, and. The the guy that they the talisman the person that usually they turn to when when um skies are gray and the the night is dark is um threatening to leave so you could actually see in that nineteen twenty season Messi didn't look like he wanted to participate at times you know he he was slouching he wasn't checking back a lot was said about. That uh, if you watch analyst shows, they are just saying like, "Look at Messi; he's just like he's just gu- he's just standing there, literally sometimes." Um, and and it's very different. Uh, there are obviously in his, in his like best of seasons, he also just stands sometimes because he's conserving energy. But it's different. Like you could kind of feel that um he didn't really want to be there, and that has a, such a big negative effect on the team because. You know that, um, if you if you are Barca and if you've ever played in a team where there is one really good player, you you are looking for him to be the spark. And if he's on the field, and they're not gonna take him off because obviously he's messy, and he's not gonna be the one to spark it. Who are you gonna turn to now? Then you would look at, uh, Griezmann, and Griezmann had like the worst season, uh, with them. So. There were so many things wrong. Uh, if you look back and analyze it, there was just no way for them to really get anything out of those few seasons. Griezmann wasn't the the same Griezmann that was at Atletico. He didn't turn into the um that kind of strike partner that everyone was hoping would form a partnership with Messi. Um, they had just lost Suarez. So I mean, it's it's everything that kind of could have gone wrong for them across that period of time. Kind of did it in slow motion. I would say across like yeah, a few dude. seasons. That's the thing that was probably the weirdest. Like, and the fact that it was happening slowly, you would think that maybe they should have done something. But instead, they just made things worse. Right? Griezmann's like salaries went up, and and all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of I would say dead wood or players that they should have shipped out. Like Coutinho. This is just me, and this is my hot take. They haven't. And he's never really been the kind of person that they want him like to they, be. It's not like they they've not tried, but they've essentially they've checked themselves, themselves in by yeah. by offering a player who. Okay, like hindsight twenty twenty, but you know what they were offering Coutinho, he probably couldn't have hit, um, a level above what he was playing at at Liverpool. So, bit of eyebrows raised there, um, but, yeah, and and. It's not just that, it's... We were talking about embarrassing moments, right? How fried is it that Coutinho's biggest accomplishment since moving to Barcelona was scoring two goals against Barcelona in the Champions Bayern, League? Yeah. Like, that is... We've talked about slaps to the face with Suarez, with Griezmann, but the Coutinho one to me is just unforgivable. And then the fact that Coutinho is just chilling out in, his, in their dressing room right now. The guy who was a huge part of the most embarrassing defeat in Barcelona's history, is just chilling out there. Like, I can't believe it. Like, just saying it out. If I'm a Barca fan, I'd be furious. Is he the <laughs> highest paid player right now? If we look at um, this list that we have, right, uh, it looks like it, you know. 
and that paper, would make it very yeah. I think that I think would make we, it the worst thing. Yeah, ever. it's also cause of the transfer fee. It's insane. Um, so, it, it's yeah, it's just a mess, man. No, but if you were to point out one particular transfer that kind of sums up why Barcelona are good where they are right now, <laughs> I think it's Griezmann, right? Because yeah. in two thousand nineteen, they they sh- they forked out about hundred twenty million for Griezmann, right? And then two years later, it's what, it, it was one of those of deals <laughs> where no one, you know, it, it didn't make people go ooh ah. It made people go like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, it was more like, yeah. A, yeah, Griezmann is good, but a Barca don't need him. Mm-hmm. B, uh, like you wouldn't have paid hundred and twenty mil for Griezmann the season before he joined Barcelona, which I feel was his best season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you hear that they took out a loan to buy him like that just like why would you go in debt <laughs> for something that you don't need you know it's it's crazy yeah, like <laughs> it's so I, I'm, insane I'm gonna like I'm gonna like not I'm not that I'm citing Barca but I'm let's just let's just give them the benefit of the doubt right in I, yeah, this case I want to man that they that they saw Griezmann they look at his age they look at his form this guy has been playing in Spain he knows how to kill it in Spain they uh, at the back of their mind, already want to ship Suarez out. They're thinking if we can get Griezmann in to partner Messi, this is the start of like this potential deadly duo. Um, because even on his own, without another strike partner, Antoine Griezmann is a great striker. Uh, he was he was a proven one at Atletico. So, um, on paper and in theory, it looks like when I saw it happen, I was just like, actually, it looks quite um beneficial. Barca until you realize that the Griezmann that they bought was like not the same it's like they got a weird shipping uh, like package one from like I don't know a knockoff <laughs> yeah but it's it, it, it was a very FIFA career mode style transfer like it, it looked good on the books but it's yeah the, the thing that, that Pascal mentioned was taking a loan out for a player yeah he, he's good He's proven in the he's proven in La Liga, but you don't know, like how he's gonna fan Barcelona and to go into depth for an unknown cause of a player. It's it's just reeks of of fraudulence and and bad management. You know, like I'm sure someone in the finance side should have been like, hey man, like we're already in the red. There's no point going further deep into the red for yeah. You can say he's essentially a world class player, but he's something we don't need. And these type of things will potentially come back and bite you in the ass, which clearly right now is. Because, yeah, the, we can say that the Griezmann transfer was a flop. And now he's back at Atletico with Luis Suarez. So Awkward. Barcelona essentially paid Atletico Madrid 100 million and gave them Suarez and Griezmann back, which is, I don't know, like, I look at it and, like, it's it's a joke, man. It's... It's it. They're just such a poorly run club right now, and I I, I don't feel sorry for them. Man. <laughs> it's hard to la, after seeing mm-hmm. someone so dominant for so long, and also seeing someone, or in this case, an organization go down entirely because of you know their own their own wrongdoings. If, for lack of better word. Yeah. Uh. Oh, I wanted to say one last point. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, but I just yeah, yeah, yeah. slipped my mind. Um, okay, I think it had it's probably the fact that um, like their recruitment, right? 
I mean, let, let's let's think about if you take finance out of the way, you take out like identity and mm. everything, and you're just talking about like, look, we have to move forward, right? As a club, like you can't just like cry about all the mistakes you've made in the past. What they have right now, the most recent one with like the the young one, and at this point, like you mentioned with. Um, Kuman being like a puppet I don't even know Who is the one In charge of like The transfers now Wherever they're going right now I can only see the club Going further downhill <laughs> Downward spiral right It is It's, yeah, it's so, really sad You know just to Wait anything else to add On the Barcelona I feel like We have discussion. too much To mm. talk about but It, it will <laughs> just take too long But um, Yeah Yeah I guess we can yeah. wrap it up uh, For me it's It's mainly Down to is there um, a way out for mentally this? mentally broken <laughs> and just, yeah, constantly mm-hmm. making the same mistake, in, whether it's in the transfer market, whether it's recruitment of managers, um, and yeah, it's, they don't seem to learn from their mistakes is what I'm trying to get at. So if you put each mm-hmm. other on like the spot right now, what is the way out for Barca? Liquidation. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they administration. Sell, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, if, just, just to, it's just some hard-hitting home truths here, right? If Barcelona wasn't Barcelona and you swap the name out and you put like a Portsmouth or a Derby in this current similar financial situation, right? They would immediately go into administration or, you know, be on the brink of liquidation, but it's because they're Barcelona, right? The the FIFA governing body and UEFA, they, they won't let that happen, man. It's just the difference of stature of the clubs right I it's mean not that, the stature, that's my take it's, it's on how it. much mm-hmm. they you know the like no disrespect to Portsmouth and Derby but you know Barcelona the the brand the name alone will always be able to bring eyeballs and generate revenue so you can understand why they, they would be holding off any like drastic action you know and nothing mm-hmm. kind of sums it up better than the Martin birth rate situation where <laughs> oh, the God. league bent its back over to help Barcelona. Yeah, you man. Guys don't know, you That's guys don't know how much absolute I hate, fraudulence. You guys don't know how much I hate Martin Brave Rave, man. Whenever he has to sit down and runs and runs and runs, I just, just hate him. I hate that player so much. <laughs> just him. <laughs> like, why is he there? I, I, no one knows. Like, once again, it was a, it was a transfer move that was done purely last minute. Barcelona were like, all their strikers were injured. Um, I mean, this is the incident Nate was referring to. Like, like, this has been unheard of. Eh? Signing a replacement player outside the transfer window, apart from goalkeepers. But they literally like screwed. I think it was Leganes. Do you guys know who Braithwaite signed I, from? I, was it Aiba or Leganes? It was, it was either one. Oh God. Yeah, you know... <laughs> I'm gonna say no, I'll go with Ibar. Ibar sounds more legit. Um, but yeah, they they completely screwed like Ibar out of out of uh, in that deal because a they got a really like low transfer fee for him, pretty much didn't have a say in it, and didn't get to sign a replacement of their own. So that yeah, was because like, because the window was closed. Yeah, right? that was gross <laughs> la. That was just very was like, like how um, dude like, you see yeah it's just. I mean, there's no way to disguise it. It's just La Liga oh, yeah, bending over yeah, backwards which is why to protect their, it's, it's hard, their number one asset. It's hard asset. to feel sorry for, for Barcelona, man. When they're doing things like this and getting away with it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, go- going from a club that's on a downward spiral to a club that, you know, 
right now is it's literally the world's their oyster. I think the club we're referring to is uh, Newcastle United, and you know the the projected reality clearly shows a a different juxtaposition. You know, if you put these two clubs side by side, Newcastle. Yeah, they got taken over by... I mean, a, a Saudi consortium bought them over. And we're not going to delve into the ethical side of things. We're just going to go straight into the footballing side of things. So I don't know if you guys read the news on the potential transfer targets that Newcastle are looking at in January. You know, it ranges from James Atkowski from Burnley to Tony van der Beek from Man United and even Anthony Martial and so are are you guys excited that there's a new challenger that is probably going to be in and amongst top 6 and even top 4 or even no there could be potential title challengers in 5 or 6 years time if they do things right Uh, I don't know Pascal what, what do you think I think well First and foremost, um, to any Newcastle fans out there, like yeah, I, I think this is a moment a lot of them have been waiting for. They've really been through the ringer the last decade and a half or so. Um, but in terms of their ambitions, right, I think they need to they need to curb their enthusiasm a little bit because this is going to, you know, if 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 reports are to believe, they do have like a blank check, so the process will be sped up, no doubt. But you still need to build um, a strong foundation apart from just your like superstar players, you know. If not, then it's just another Russian Super League like Anzi, Makachala, or um, well, I'll probably butcher that, but like one of the Chinese Super League teams, you know. It, it will, it's not long lasting. You need to, you know, I know the word is used a lot, the project, right? You need to have strong backroom staff. You need to have a manager with like at least a five-year plan. Um, and also, they need to spruce up their academy because Newcastle, I feel, are a team that haven't produced top-tier talent for a while now. I don't think they were ever famed for it, like perhaps West Ham was, but you want to start building up the infrastructure around the club. Hey, man, respect on long stuff, yeah, but <laughs> you know, long—it's st- not like we're we're talking about Longstaff being a linchpin for this new look Newcastle team, right? That's what I mean. You know, they need um, to start developing a core group of English players that that could you know stick around for like years to come. Because if then if if that's the case, your team really runs the risk of just being you know foreigners, no one who yeah, really understands could, what it's like to be. You a You could Newcastle. argue the reason why they haven't been able to produce you know, young talent in their youth academy is because under a, an, an unambitious, uninspiring owner that is Mike Ashley who clearly hasn't, you know, invested in Newcastle in any way, shape or form. But with the new owners, I think uh, it, it's not just the uh, footballing side that will thrive, you know, it's the local community because with this new with the new owners you know they they could be they could help out in many ways like i'm just going to take the manchester city owners for example you know ever since they they bought man city mm-hmm. over uh the local community in manchester has actually thrived because you know with with 
all the new money that's being pumped in into the community, like people all could new jobs, uh. Yeah, yeah, it's in, I'm not taking the piss out of it, no, but no, no, no. yeah, like uh, for housing has become more affordable because there have been more jobs in and around the area. Um, also, uh, a lot of money has been invested into the uh, youth academy. So, like the likes of your Zinchenko's, your Phil Foden's, like my brother's pretty excited about this new midfielder that I can't really remember the name of, but yeah, you can see like f- future stars being developed there and. Yep, going 100%. back to your point about Newcastle not b- developing you know, the, the players from the youth academy I think it's probably going to take time and right now yeah, they're just going to do things the, the Man City way where you know, get a manager in Like I think an Eddie Howe is being linked to the job and I feel that he's the guy that will bring stability to the team, he's kind of like the man before the man because I feel that you know Castle United fans they are pretty excited about getting Antonio Conte but I was I was thinking that yeah it could be a possibility but he he won't come now but I feel that in the future Antonio Conte will be one of the managers that will be managing Newcastle United but right now they need a guy that will come in clear the dead wood bring in the youth players bring in players that uh, because right now yeah, United, Newcastle United have all the money in the world, but they can only shop at a, for a certain bracket of players. For sure. They can't go for your... The, the likes of... I, I know it's it's pretty much a meme right now, but you can't really go for your Mbappe's because he wants Champions League football. So you have to kind of shop at... You kind of have to buy the talismanic players from the other lower... Okay, like air quote. Uh, perceived lower tier clubs like your your Southamptons, your Burnleys, your yeah for sure. I wouldn't say less. You need to you yeah. need to also gamble on the almost stars, but not quite yet stars from like mm-hmm. um teams overseas. Like Man Man City really profited from Valencia struggling. Like they managed to yep, snipe yep. David Silva for a relatively low fee. Mm-hmm. Um, so Newcastle would be smart to. You know, look around um, some of the top leagues and see which clubs are perhaps true. Like maybe invest in a good scout a little bit. Yeah, it, it like invest in scouting actually. Maybe exactly like they, yeah. yeah. I I just think like fans are so not all fans, but a majority of fans who, especially those who love posting on Instagram, they are so obsessed with the what you can see. I would just want my starting eleven to be like some FIFA fantasy shit, but that's not what wins you titles. That's not what brings you consistent um, stability. Like, like I, I can say a lot of things about Man City, right? You know, they are rivals. Um, we, we throw the memes that, you know, they, they bought the success. But what they've done since um, they are kind of the, the city revolution, right? The infrastructure they've built is insane. Their ties with countries in, in the US, in Australia, they've expanded their brand They've done things very, very shrewdly, you know, and obviously they, they needed to pump a lot more money the first five years, and they still do now, but you can tell that the, the, the signings now are much more astute. At the start, it was very scattergun, you know, they were like, uh, we'll get two strikers, we'll get Negredo and Jovetic, you know, like, doesn't matter who scores, like, as long as, like, one of them does, like, job done. But I think using clubs like Chelsea and City, seeing the mistakes they may have made, it's only going to be good for Newcastle because you can you can essentially speed up the process even more. So it, it'll be interesting to see how much the owners 
you know, are involved, if they get bored, you never know, man. Like, yeah, they have a, a lot of money to spend, but that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, maybe after a year or two, if things aren't going as smoothly as they wanted, they might lose interest. You never know, man. Um, you never know if this will be a man city or if it will be one of those... Um, like Blackburn Rovers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Maybe not Blackburn, Ventus, but like one of those Russian clubs, you know, who... Mm. They pump in money for one or two years and then they kind of realize that, hey, this isn't profitable or this isn't fun anymore. Like, I'm going to stop investing. Yeah, but I don't think they'll have a problem with it at Newcastle. I don't think so either, but um, Mm -hmm. it will be wise to, you know, really just see where things go. Like, for this season, it's all about survival. Yeah, it yeah, will dude, be such it will a be the joke most if they go into yeah, like, yeah. the championship and, and have yeah, to start yeah, yeah. from there. <laughs> that was the point that I was going to make just now. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> Baby yeah, steps. It's such a Newcastle thing, right? Like the owners, the Saudi owners buy Newcastle, everything's looking prim and rosy and then they get relegated. <laughs> I think that in oh, that yeah. case, like, um, I mean, we after just talking about Barcelona, I think what's really interesting is the fact that if they want to do things properly, they actually get a uh, a manager I think like you mentioned Eddie Howe is a great choice Someone who has An identity To how he wants To play football And one that can Start building something I think what City did well uh, With um, When they first started The the takeover Was when they appointed uh, Mancini And then they Let him Kind of do his thing um, Get the players That he wanted oh, I think but, he started With like Rubinho yeah, I mean, yeah, before that, he, they were actually... Mark Hughes was actually at the helm. So I kind of liken Eddie Howe to... I know it's a bit of uh, disrespect, but liken him to Mark Hughes. The, the guy who gets all the the players, you know, like builds sort of the spine of the team before a more illustrious and... Uh, a manager with a better CV comes in and takes over. So I think Mark uh, yeah. Hughes is basically like... In my mind, I think that they just stuck with him. I exactly. I don't think they, that they, they wanted, wanted him. See, yeah, they just like it's same with Ranieri. Abramovich just wanted to like you know test the waters. And yeah. Then when Mourinho became available, he was like, okay, I gotta go for this guy. Right. It doesn't look like like the owners are gonna stick with Steve Bruce. Yeah, like um, both Hughes and and Ranieri. Sorry, the kind of, both Hughes and Ranieri were. Yeah, you know they were more like wait and sees. Mm. Like let 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 I'll give him a chance to prove that he's the guy. Obviously yeah, both didn't But I agree with Nate Steve Bruce um, But Steve Bruce is not not it's already not the man. guy Yeah <laughs> yep, yep. So that they're gonna go with someone else um, But definitely You're right They're not gonna go with Antonio Conte Because he doesn't want to come in and fight To get out of relegation He also doesn't know what he's coming into You know He just knows yep. like Oh the tabloids say I have 300 billion to spend But he doesn't know anything about them He's not seen what they've done He doesn't know how like you know um, What kind of control he'll have so yeah I agree he he will he knows he'll, his name will always be in the hat so he can just take his time and pick and choose if mm-hmm. if they were really like looking for someone who knows how to like assemble a team uh, to, to stay in the Premier League for a while like heck they could even go for Sam Allardyce as the middleman can you imagine <laughs> you know, Sam Allardyce I knew, with, I knew like, someone stacks. mentioned that name and it was me <laughs> Sash uh, the other <laughs> one was uh, I mean it's possible now that we've seen his CV and what he's done is David Moyes not that I think that he would leave West Ham but he's definitely the kind of person that they could get in, in a way I mean no disrespect to the term but or to David Moyes, like an interim manager, you know what? Mm. Someone to, to kind of steady the ship, get them 
up to at you least mid-table. I actually think, right, this guy fits that bracket quite nicely. Uh, he would be okay being an interim on paper, but he'd also be, you know, someone who, if he does well, they would keep him in the job. And I think that's... Ole Gunnar <laughs> I okay. think that... Oh, come on. Ole already has cut blanche at United. Like, how, many, how much more money does he need? But no, wait, Rogers, as you were describing man, it, I, really I was just do. like, okay, it sounds just like Ole. I think Rogers <laughs> has the profile of... Um, you know, this would be his real... Uh, it would almost be like his ticket into into the big leagues. You know, like, okay, you finally have like all the cash you need to build a team in your image. Um, you don't have to worry so much about balancing the books. We'll do that for you. Just use your tactical nows to, you know, bring us into the Champions League. I and obviously, you know, Rogers though. has had a rep for not getting over the finishing line. But, you know... Signs have shown that his time at Leicester may be, you know, perhaps coming to an end. Like, they both look a bit jaded of each other, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. But for his It's almost as like they both Rogers come to the realisation that Europa League is the best they're going to get out of each other. <laughs> yeah. Fair point, fair point. Mm. But I think for as good as he is, right, Rodgers is just shy of a top-tier manager. Like, at, exactly, at, when you mentioned, why I, I think this move might be... It might work for both parties, you know? It's a bit of a roll, a, a, a roll of the dice on both sides. Yeah, but in in that vein of thought, I I don't think they're gonna tell him like you can build this team in your image. It's almost like they'll tell him build this team to keep us in the league, give us <laughs> get us competitive, and then like when they say that, he knows that means like you have like one or two years before we kick you out. You know, you're not gonna get this long term, mm. um, because as good as you are, even if you can push us near to Europe, right? We want a, a a manager to take us into Europe Further and to win things, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I think if the if the club is as ambitious as they the man, uh, I'm sorry, the uh the the new owners are as ambitious as they sound, um though I think they're gonna be quite calculative, they they could be as ruthless as um a certain Chelsea owner who cycles managers just to get. To the very top and stay there. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like they may go like they take a manager who gets them to to ten, uh to like tenth, for example. Then they kick him out, take another one to bring them into top four. Then they kick him out, and then they take another one to to challenge for for Champions League. It could be. Yeah, as, it's as it's kind of quite. Yeah, it's that. quite interesting. You know, on we want to see on how the uh, new Saudi owners are going to be are they going to be in the mode of uh, Roman Abramovich where it's sort of uh, a short span then high and fire type of uh, structure or is it going to be similar to what the uh, Abu Dhabi owners in uh, Manchester City have been doing you know you get your Pellegrinis for maybe three to four years build up an identity and then you get the next big thing when he's available so yeah uh, any final thoughts on this um, nah, man. I'm looking forward to seeing how. Uh, the Newcastle project turns out. So Maximan gets a, a a new contract worth five uh, hundred million a week. <laughs> full complete reigns of of Saint James's Park. Steve Bruce eight year contract, man. Make it make it happen. Bring guys. Pardew back, lah. <laughs> oh, dude. This was the project that was supposed to happen. <laughs> I want to just say like a quick uh, jump back to the point that you made at the start when you're talking about Newcastle, the players that they're yeah. looking at. Um, mm-hmm. I think it makes a great sense to take a player like Van der Beek who is unsettled, wants a move in January, 
and Martial as well, man. And he's quality. Both. He's definitely quality. Could definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. substrate into that that starting eleven and bring yeah a lot yeah, of change. Yeah. Like the thing is that we'll we'll I I kind of don't think that United will sell Van der Beek to Newcastle because, okay, let let's say uh United offers sorry Newcastle United they offer, forty five million, and let's say Juventus offers thirty five million. I think, United will rather take the ten mil loss and sell them to Juventus because. Imagine the PR state. Like imagine the 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 whole. I mean, how the media would would look on on United if Van der Beek gets sold to Newcastle United and he does extremely well. Like, mm. like I I I think yeah, which is the reason why um, I think United would rather take the loss. I think that would be super mean. <laughs> I think he <laughs> he wants to play in this league and 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 honestly, if he goes to Juventus, it will just be to sit on another bench in Italy. You know, oh, yeah, trading one bench for another, right? Yeah, it's just like <laughs> well, this bench is made of Italian wood. It's like <laughs> it's, it's it's no different. Ca- really. Catering will be a bit different, <laughs> uh, That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> More pasta. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's it for this week's episode. Um, actually, we kind of do have a bonus episode since we're on the topic of Newcastle mm. United, but we are gonna delve into the ethical side of things because we didn't really have the time to discuss it on uh, this episode. So I'd like to thank my guys, uh, Nathan and, and Pascal, for joining me on the podcast this week. And also, if you do like uh, what we've been discussing on, you can, you know, it doesn't really hurt to leave a like, you know, exercise those fraudulent thumbs by hitting the follow button on our Instagram at the full kit banter and also... Follow us on, sorry, subscribe to our YouTube. You know, there'll be more clips that will be uploaded on that platform soon. And yeah, once again, share, I'd like to share, thank the listeners share, for... Share with all your friends and family. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Share, like, follow, subscribe. <laughs> so yeah, uh, once again, I'd like to thank the listeners for spending an hour with us. <laughs> so once again, we'll see you. Oh, yeah, uh, Premier League is back again this weekend. No more internationals. Uh, yep, I guess we'll see you again next time. <laughs>